Amen. To be clear, nobody was trying to embarrass you, but oh, we would be so happy to. Just wait till your birthday next time. Amen. Oh, amen. Can we turn to Matthew chapter 20, Revelation chapter 2? We'll get right into the message. I apologize for starting a little behind this morning. Um, I know that we have designated times that we serve the Lord. Actually, the, the title of the message tonight is, why do we go to church on Sundays or something along those lines? Or, uh, uh, but the, the message is, why do we meet as Christians on Sundays? That's, that's this evening's message. Um, but I am thankful that we can meet with brothers and sisters in Christ. And no matter how busy, how stressful, we have a God that said, uh, wherever and whenever two or more meet together, he's here in the midst. Man, I'm thankful for that. Uh, these other religions don't have that. Uh, any other religion doesn't have that. And uh, brother, so uh, forgive me, I got a lot of my mind. I'm trying to pray that God focuses my, my mind this morning. Um, um, during Sunday school, which brother Tony did a great job at, and I look forward to the series coming in that the men are going to be doing in, in the following uh, couple of months. And however long it goes, I don't know, we'll see how long it goes and how long we decide to do it. I, I look forward to it in First Timothy. But he started out by saying, <clears throat> keep it simple, stupid. And how, how he likes to keep things simple. And I'm, I'm like, amen, and I'm thinking, I, I am a simpleton. Uh, because I am just not some great intellectual mind that's going to impress everybody here i'm thankful for preachers when they keep it simple for me stupid and, and i got so tickled that you said that i even showed oh she's not here i even showed kathy shine my notes it says keep it simple stupid right at the top so i gotta i gotta i gotta kick out of that amen this morning matthew chapter 20 this is a simple message about a story that we see in the life of jesus it doesn't get a lot of attention um you know, if you have uh, uh, two guitar players in the same room, and they're both good, but one's great, the one who's good won't get as much attention just naturally, just the way it goes. It doesn't mean that anybody thinks any less of this passage of Scripture. It just gets less attention because there's other Scriptures that say the same thing, other people that are blind that have uh, more, I don't know, exciting stories, if you will, maybe. Well, this is about two blind men that received their sight. Matthew chapter 20, verse 29. And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And the multitude rebuked them, because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And Jesus stood still and called them and said, What will ye that I should do unto you? And they say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be open. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. And immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. Brother John Chine, would you open in a word of prayer, brother?
I am so burned out on preachers, evangelists, pastors, whatever, that um, exaggerate um, um, their spirituality, if you will. And, and, and so much so that, that I, 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 I lean a little away from that to a fault almost. Um, I don't, I don't say with every single message that God filled me with this anointing power and he's going to do this great and use all these big church words to try to make it look like, right? I believe God's in the message, amen. We're studying for it. God's going to bless it. God's in it. And we can say a lot of those things. But I get so burned out of preachers that do that. That being said, I didn't know where to study for this message. My heart was so uh, uh, distracted. And I couldn't, I'm just praying, crying, I can't focus on what I'm reading. And, uh, and I just started reading, I just started reading, I started reading. And God just impressed this message on my heart. And um, I don't even think I've ever said that before. that I have that way, but my point is, it may be a simple message, but it's God's word, and we can, we can gravitate to it, and we can cling to it, we can be like a sponge to it, no matter what. And I thank God that no matter what we're going through, man, there's a word of God that we can study, that we can find comfort, and we can get that peace that passes understanding no matter what we're going through. No matter if the message that we're studying or the, the part of the Bible that we're reading has nothing to do with, with what's happening in our lives, God can use that to give us peace. And God did that for me yesterday. I can say that boldly. Matthew 20, 29, And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. Now we'll look at this verse for a moment. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. Number one, there's the reality. These two blind men heard that Jesus passed by. I couldn't help but think of that song. Uh, Jesus passed by my way, and he made me whole that day. Just a sinner was I, but then Jesus passed by. Oh, what a change in my life. And Jesus passed by. I run through my mind as I'm reading this message, studying this message. I can't think about, I couldn't help but think about how they were blind without Christ in their lives. Can I tell you this morning, if that doesn't ring true to you, if we're not automatically, the first thing popping in your mind is either, either one, if this, doesn't, if this doesn't, if you can't relate to this being blind and then Jesus passed by and doing something for you in your life, then you're either lost and you never accepted Christ as your Savior, or two, you're so backslidden and you're absolutely cold for the cause of Christ. The thought of Jesus passing by ought to do something for us. No matter what spiritual state we're in. Revelation chapter 2, verse 4. If you turn there. When John the Revelator wrote to the seven churches, if you remember, we went through a series on it. It was the church of Ephesus where, where they were busy for the Lord. They loved the Lord. And that, man, God commended them so much for, man, you're doing this and you have a fervency for the Christ. You hate sin. You get rid of it. You do all these things. That's great. They're also going through the motions. My dad, we've all heard this before, and I think of my dad. Um, 
My dad always said, don't be so busy in the work of the Lord that you've missed the God of the work. Well, that's real. The church at Ephesus, that happened to them. They weren't bad people. They were loving the Lord. They were serving, but but in their busyness, they lost their first love. And things were becoming mechanical. We can, we, we're, we, people, that's our nature. We can so easily slip into that. But then next thing you know, you're just going through mechanics Put my time card in. Yep, I was here for an hour. I love the Lord. You're welcome. We have that mindset. And that's, and, and, and that's what happens, and that's what we're easily falling to. That was a church at Ephesus. They lost their first love. Revelation chapter 2, verse 4. Nevertheless, uh, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove the, my candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. The lost are blind to the gospel just as a backslidden Christian is blind to their first love. Turn to Matthew chapter 12. We'll be there in a moment. Matthew chapter 12. I also like to point out the acknowledgement of who he was. These two blind men absolutely acknowledge who Jesus was. Boy, that's important. Notice the capital S, Matthew chapter 12, verse, um, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We'll be there in a moment. Um, look at, look at uh, Matthew chapter 20. We'll be in 12 in a moment. Look at Matthew chapter 20, verse 30. When they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. Now we take just a moment, just don't read past that real quick. You notice that S is capitalized on son. They were acknowledging through that specific title that he truly was the Messiah that the prophets were looking for. It wasn't just the son of David, lowercase s. It was the son of David. They called him Lord. That capital S is really important. Matthew chapter 12, verse 23, I want to... I want to I expound on this just for a few moments. Matthew chapter 12, verse 23. There's a little less here. It says, And the people were amazed and said, Is, this, is not this the son of David? What's the context there? They're, they're, they're just acknowledging his lineage. Is this not the son of David? Isn't that the David's boy over there? They weren't saying, Is this not the son of God? He is our Lord. He's our Savior. No, no, no. Lowercase s. That's showing us that they're just saying, Is that not Mary's boy? David's boy over there? That, that weirdo John's cousin, that John Boy's cousin over there, they're just talking about his fleshly lineage. When it's lowercase, it's always just talking about your lineage. But when it's capital letter, all of a sudden, it's a proclamation of who you are, what your title is. Woo! Not to mention godly lineage. Look at Matthew chapter 15, verse 22. Another context altogether. But it's a capital S. And behold, but, but it's a worshiping and honoring, looking, looking, calling him for who he is, his position, not just his earthly lineage. It says, and behold, a woman of Canaan came out of some, the, the same coast and cried unto them, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Then that, that, she's worshiping. 
she's, she's acknowledged him for who, for who he is, amen. It's not just an explanation of his earthly bloodline, but it's a proclamation of his heavenly position from his heavenly bloodline all at the same time. Jesus referenced this exact thing that I'm preaching on this morning. Turn to Mark chapter 12, verse 35. Mark chapter 12, verse 35. Jesus himself talked about this exact thing. Exactly. He made it clear. Uh, he was preaching in the, in the sermon in the temple. If you, if you take the time later to study this out and you look at the verses uh, prior to this to get the context, this these words are Jesus preaching behind probably a pulpit, but he's preaching in the sanctuary. And while he's preaching, Jesus said this, Mark chapter 12, verse 35, and Jesus answered and said, while he taught in the temple, how say the scribes that Christ is the son of David? Capital S. For David himself said by the Holy Ghost, the Lord said to my Lord, sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. David therefore himself called him Lord, and whence is he the, then his son, lowercase. The common people heard him gladly. Jesus is pointing out that he is God, and David called him Lord. He's not just the son of David, lowercase, but he's the capital S, son of David. Amen. We've got time this morning. I won't be long. Jesus, turn to Psalms 110. Psalms 110. Jesus, did you know he was quoting the Old Testament? You, you, you ever want to question, you want to start talking about the, the canon of Scripture and divine inspiration and, 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 and what's actually Scripture? Is this Scripture? They took this out, they took that out. Hey, right out of the gate, anything that Jesus references or quotes, Scripture. Right, yeah. right out of the gate, the first standard, amen. That was a message a few Wednesdays ago, amen. Psalms 110, verse 1. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make that enemies my footstool. Jesus is literally quoting David's Psalms. Amen. He literally quotes exactly what David penned. And he acknowledged, and this is really, really important that the dispensation crowd would not like at all. But Jesus is acknowledging directly that David's talking about himself. There's a crowd out there that says, Old Testament saints, we're not looking to the cross for their salvation. Oh, I beg to differ. I beg to differ deeply. And this means that David absolutely was looking toward the cross. He said, uh, Psalm 110 says, The Lord said unto my Lord. And you could have a debate about that, except if it weren't for Jesus himself saying, Hey, that was talking about me. I'm Jesus Christ. David was talking about me. There's no debate there. Number one, the reality. Number two, the rebuke. Let's jump back to our text. Matthew chapter 20, verse 31. And this is, this is, this is natural in our human nature. And the multitude rebuked them because they should hold their peace, but they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. 
Man, they acknowledged who Jesus was even though it wasn't popular in the, in the area, in the setting that they were. I love to pray out loud in a restaurant. I'm not that obnoxious guy that's like, Dear Lord, we want to pray for everyone in here. They're wicked heathen. No. No. But I am proud to pray not like this. Dear Lord, thank you. I don't want anybody to hear me. No, I'm thankful to say, Dear Lord, we thank you for being the good God does. Pray for it and whatever's going on in our lives at that moment. And then we say, Pray the blessed food in our body. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. I love that. And when I'm with my coworkers, they hate that. Amen. Uh, amen. Amen. Number one, the reality. Number two, the rebuke. Um, you know, I, I love to brag on what my God has done. It seems to be like every Monday morning, because when everyone's talking about their weekend and the game, um, they don't ask me as much anymore. Uh, but I love to tell them about my weekend and what God's done in our church and what has happened here, what God's done here. Uh, every little highlight I can think of, I want to tell them about it because we serve a good God. All they know about church in general is some bad experience or, or they went to church and they were so bored out of their mind or whatever. Man, church is a wonderful thing. It's like the old rugged cross. When I was young and didn't know any better, and all I thought about was myself and the next Laffy Taffy I was going to eat. So as adults, right, that, that maybe the lost world or maybe you're backslidden, you have no idea of the depth of the old rugged cross, the depth of amazing grace. Man, that's a great song. So oh, it's overplayed. Still a great song. Ah, oh, the Christmas song's overplayed every year. It's still a great song. Ah, oh, it's commercialized. So what? It's still God-honoring. Amen. Let, this, let the sins of somebody else affect how I worship my Lord. Are you kidding me? Ah, another message. Amen. Amen. I love being bold for the Lord. We've been bold at the, the flea market or at the Apple Fest. We've not been in anybody's faces. We've sure got the gospel out a whole lot. And we've got a lot of, we had a lot of good conversations with people. Um, and and, and I, I just think God has blessed that. I love hearing amens in church service. Everybody say amen. Amen. It just feels good sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it does. Amen. I, I was, I know a, a good buddy of mine, a banjo picking buddy. Uh, which makes him better than any other buddy. Uh, he, he went to some concert. I don't know what it was. And it was at a church. And he just, I don't know where, what it was. It was probably bluegrass or inspirations or something. And he said that uh, he was sitting in there. And, and he said, whatever the song was, he just, amen. He went like that, amen. Just shouted a couple of times. He said, he watched this little old lady look back. She got up, and he said it took her the longest time. He said it was, it was kind of like everyone was watching her, like, what's she going to They made up the middle aisle, came up to him and said, just to let you know, we, we don't do that at this church here. <laughs> I'm glad that we can say amen in the house of God. Do you think that in the upper room that they were like, you know, when Jesus said something like amazing that blew their minds? Or like when Jesus walks in and they're, they're having, uh, they're all meeting. I don't know if it's a worship service, but they're having a meeting. And, and you know, the resurrected Christ walks in. Right. Do you think they were like, okay. 
No. No. I bet there was crying and shouting and thankfulness that he's the God that he said he was. That's why I'm putting my trust in. Thank God for it. And all of a sudden, you're not ashamed to shout a little bit. These blind men were not ashamed to say, hey, 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 my Lord, thou, thou son of David. Capital S. Number one, the reality. Number two, the rebuke. We see that from our fellow brethren, right? We see that from the world. Number three, my last point. Well, that's fancy. Three R's. The response. Boy, that's important. Look at Matthew chapter 20, verse 32. And Jesus stood still and called him and said, What will ye that I shall do unto you? And they said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. Man, it's a really good thought that Jesus stood still. He didn't keep walking and say, yeah, what is it? Let me know. Let me know. When somebody gives me directions at Home Depot, I don't stop to listen because it drives me. Don't don't tell me it's the third aisle, top shelf. Just just, like I don't want to stop for that. But I'm going to listen while they're telling me, yep, yep, got it. Thanks. Right? Jesus doesn't do that with us. He stopped, looked at him, and asked him, what can I do for you? I'm thankful that Jesus didn't just pass by and that was the end of the story. Jesus was passing by and he stopped and he stood still and took the time to ask the question, what can I do for you? That's the DSV version, the Dan Gunther version, amen, DGV. I was trying to ponder this yesterday and when he stood still and asked him the question, that would, have forced, that would have forced them to respond to his words. Those two blind men, they had the appropriate response, that their eyes would be opened. Clearly, they're blind men. Clearly. And you might say, well, of course they were blind. That was their biggest need in their life, to be able to see. But the problem with our man, with our thinking, man's thoughts, man's heart, is that we focus so heavily on the physical. I mean, in our most closest to God spiritual state, we still focus heavily on our physical because we're physical beings. That's what it is. That's just we see it in front of us. So naturally, we look at their physical state. When we come to church. We got, um, so many of us have ailments and problems, and there's not a person in here that wouldn't say, oh, what's the new terminology, um, um, not high risk. Uh, we all know somebody that could get sick easily because we all have problems. We all do. And we focus on it, but wouldn't it be far better if we didn't look at everybody with their physical issues? I'm, I'm guilty. But if we started looking at everybody with their spiritual issues, we tried to look through some spiritual lenses, oh my goodness. We can't even imagine how that would look like, yet that's what Christ sees. That's what our Lord sees. He's looking on our hearts. 
You might be thinking that this message doesn't apply to me, but I promise you that it does. John 4, 24, Jesus said, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Yeah, we're here physically, but, but you're not worshiping God unless you worship him in spirit and in truth. If you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior, then you're just like the two blind men sitting on the side of the road. God's passed by once or maybe twice, maybe more times. He stops, he stands still, he asks you the question, what would you have me to do? Then your eternity is in the balance. I pray to God that anybody that was, was met at that crossroads in their life, and every one of us are at that crossroads in our life at one point, whether we're younger or, or, or older, What do we want Jesus to do spiritually for us? Jump back to Matthew chapter 20, our text. I'd like to tell you this morning that Jesus can save you from your sins. and He can make you and allow you to see things clearly spiritually. Or he can leave you on the side of the road blind, spiritually blind. Helpless. Matthew chapter 20, verse 34. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. Can I just point out that they followed him? Jesus passed by. God gave them sight and they followed him. Who of us are saved this morning? Jesus once passed by our wretched state of sin that we were in, spiritually blind as all could be, and he miraculously saved us. Amen. We accepted his salvation. And then we say, I'm going to follow you until it's not convenient. I'm going to follow you, Lord, until I'm busy. Then we say, Lord, I give you everything in my life. I'm all yours. But that is not the truth. Disciples, many of them were fishermen that left their nets and followed Christ. Man, the maniac of Gadara, he wanted to follow Christ. And the Lord was like, no, you need to go be a witness in your town. I mean, how awesome was that? And then later, you do some studying later, and they came back to the same town. The whole town was there to hear what Jesus of Nazareth had to say. But the point is, they got saved, and they wanted to follow Christ. Turn to John chapter 9, and we'll close in a few minutes. John chapter 9, our last scripture of the morning. Normally when the topic of spiritual blindness will come up, we look at the greater guitar player in the room that's better than the good guitar player. That would be John chapter 9. When Jesus mixed the mud and he rubbed it in the blind man's eyes, that's normally where we go. And amen, God bless it, it's good. John chapter 9, verse 1. And as Jesus passed by, amen to that, he saw a man which was blind from his birth and his disciples asking him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And guys, this touched my heart. Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. That's heavy. He said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. 
Just because somebody has a disability in their life doesn't mean that it was their sin or their fault or their parents' sin or their fault. But maybe, just maybe, God gave them that disability so that his glory could be manifested. You say, how can his glory be manifested? So that we have an opportunity to be a blessing to him. And that's a lot easier said than done. And everybody in here knows that. And everybody in here has disabilities. And every one of our faults, man, they're given to us for the glory of God so his glory can be manifested. So, so others can see, man, Miss Darla's going through this. You know what? She gives God the glory. I'm encouraged at what she's going through. And she still loves the Lord. And she's still doing this. She's still doing that. Thank God for her faithfulness. And I could go all around the room and say, man, they have a disability. They have a problem. They're going through something in their life. But God allowed that so his glory could be manifested. But yet when we're filled with the flesh, what do we say? Oh, me, my life's so horrible. Nobody understands. I will unplug and I won't help anybody else. I'll be a blessing to nobody else. And I only think about me. All of a sudden, God gets no glory. Nothing is being manifested for the cause of Christ. Because all we see is physical disability. That's all we see. But man, if we could look with spiritual eyes and have a mindset to help people. And we'll get angry. And we'll throw our hands in the air and we'll cry and it will be frustrating. But God allowed that for his glory to be manifested. Why? I don't know. I don't know. But God has allowed it. That word manifest means to reveal. Moses had a stuttering problem. I thank God that Moses allowed himself to be used to God, but it would have been far greater if Moses would have worked through his disability. He refused to be God's spokesperson when God told him to be. Moses missed out on a whole lot of blessings because he focused on the physical disability as opposed to saying, God, it's all in your hands. He's focused on his physical sight as opposed to his spiritual sight. Maybe God gave you a disability because he knew it would help you to serve him. That's a bummer. But God loves you enough to say, you know what? I'm going to make him suffer with this affliction. I'm going to make her suffer with this affliction so that my glory can be manifested. So that it can reach somebody else that, 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 that nobody else can reach but, but this person can reach because of their disability. reality of our handicap is that we're sinners in need of a savior and what really matters is how we respond to the words of Christ Jesus is standing right before you he's saying what will you have me to do for you the problem is so oftentimes the lost person will reject that the backslidden Christian will reject that it wasn't an accident that Jesus passed by. It was specific for those two men. Yeah. It wasn't an accident that Jesus passed by in your life. It was specific. Right. It was specific. I dare say that for some of you this morning, Jesus is still standing there waiting for a response. Yeah. 
whether you're lost in your sin and you're rejecting him or you're backslidden and you're not serving the Lord in any aspect of your life. Jesus is standing there saying, what will you have me to do for you? Now what's our answer going to be? Let's have a verse of invitation and we'll close. Let's all stand and we'll pray. Thank you, Lord, for the power of your word, Lord. Forgive us for our feeble minds. Forgive us for our feeble hearts, Lord. We are nothing in your sight. Lord, we see with these physical eyes and we forget about uh, the spiritual needs of, of a lost generation, Lord, a lost world. We forget about the spiritual needs of brothers and sisters in Christ. And we are all guilty starting with me, Lord. Help us to be mindful of the spiritual, Lord, and look to you for leadership. Look to you to be compassionate like you are, Lord. I love you with all my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Page 500. Page 500. Pass me not, O gentle Savior.